Six Pack Double Feature presents Pick Six, where the guys round out a top five list with one extra. Insults, oddities, cartoons, it's all there. And of course, beer. Tell us your picks, guys. And of course, beer. Whoa, it's always beer. It's always beer. Whoa. Until Welcome. Until it's not. Whoa. It's Six Pack Double Feature. Welcome in, you guys. Yous, guys, and gals. Whoa. It's a new episode there. For the TV. It's going to take me a while to realize that that fades. <laughs> for the movies. You just got to pretend. It, it always fades. For the people there at home in, in podcast beer land, it fades. For yous and me here, go. It cuts off. Hey. Mm, very impressive. Nathan has popped his first beer <laughs> of the day. <laughs> Not uh, of even the really episode of this episode. <laughs> okay, hey guys, I popped Victoria. Hey gays, hey guys, hey gang. I was gonna say hey guys. Did you say hey gays? I did. Hey gays, but seriously, hey gays, we love you. Uh, but also, hey guys, hey gang, ladies, ladies, um, Slavic people, Popex. <laughs> And Kryptonians, welcome in. <laughs> hey, uh, what are we doing? To, what are we doing today? Well, I you should introduce me because you're not Travis, and I'm Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's six pack double feature. Pick Why do six? I always have to introduce you? It's, it's well, people know who only, you are. There's only two of us in here most of the time. <laughs> most of time. Clearly, not the first episode we've recorded today. <laughs> the first one you're hearing today, but. This first one that you're hearing this week is this one that you're the hearing irony, right now. Uh, the irony is that uh, today's episode is perfect movies, and we are going to fuck this up. We're here to fuck you up. <laughs> oh, no, that's pump you up. That's right. Either way. I got that one wrong. Yeah, I got way. that one wrong. Uh, we are doing uh, what we, we consider perfect. what we consider perfect movies, and I am sure that we will definitely not cross paths. Maybe we will. I don't know. It's it's hard to say because I I picked a specific not subgenre of of type of film. Do you like little person porn? I uh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I just reviewed my list. Um, I've got I got some notes. Uh, I I went with my perfect movies. I kind of created a I uh, like these were the the best movies that I considered to be. Adapted from original screenplays. I don't. Okay. It's not. They're not adapted films. They are original stories that were created into okay. films. What's your number six? My number six is The Sting. Mm. Have you ever uh, seen it? Uh, I, I liked his work with the police more. But, it's uh, The Sting, please. It's not just Sting. It's The Sting. I've never seen The Sting. No, that's uh, Robert, Robert Redford and uh, Paul, Paul Newman. Newman. Okay. Yeah, so Butch, it's Butch and Sundance Part Two. Uh, yes and no. They have a lot of really good chemistry together, and so they, right, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just, and so yeah. What I really like about this thing is that compared to the majority of the films that that won like the Best Picture Oscar in, in the nineteen seventies, this was this was almost like a, a breath of fresh air because it's kind of lighthearted. It's right? very lighthearted. Okay. I mean, it's a heist, not heist, but it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a cop movie. Okay. It's not really a cop movie. It is a it's a caper. Kind of, okay. Um, it's a con. It's a con movie. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm drunk. <laughs> like uh, Ocean's Eleven, kind of. Yes, thing. kind of like that. Uh, it's the the movie in itself is is sandwiched in between two Godfather films that won Best Picture that year, seventy two mm-hmm. Godfather, mm-hmm. The Sting, 
Godfather 2. Part 3. 74. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, when you look at, like, a majority of the films that won, like, Best Picture in the 70s, it was, like, Patton, The French Connection, The Godfather, Godfather Part 2, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Rocky, Annie Hall, The Deer Hunter, and Kramer versus Kramer. Outside of Rocky and Annie Hall, these amazing films are really heavy compared to, like, the subject matter and just the lightness of the sting right newman and redford are paired together they're very much still at their peak they're charming as hell because they have really good chemistry together right, right. yeah yeah uh it's extremely fun to watch and and while other caper and con movies come and go this this classic never really disappoints okay next time i'm here i will try to remember to bring it i think you'd really like it no if you've, I, if I you've, seen, I... you've seen butch casting so oh yeah it's no it's great yeah it's really hell good. to follow kill you <laughs> I always love that. That's great. No, it's I can't swim. <laughs> swim, hell, the fall will kill you. Hell, the fall will kill you. Yeah, that's a good movie. So you mentioned Robert Shaw. Yes, being in that. Robert he plays Sh- the big. He plays the gangster that they are going to take the money from. That's not a good idea. Yeah. Well, uh, Robert Shaw features heavily in my number six, which is Jaws. Yeah, that's a great movie. I. It is challenge you. You find one thing you would change about that movie. Find something wrong with it. Find a frame that is wrong. Find a clip of audio. We'll talk about that in season four. There's, I, there's one part, but I won't talk about I it. I think now. I know what you're going to say, and I will save it for season four, <laughs> uh, which may or may not be on before this. Who knows? It'll be after. Uh, <laughs> but it's got to be your bowl. Jaws is one of those. <laughs> I get a hell of a look at a shark steak by sticking my head up a great, great white's ass. A great white's A great white's, <laughs> great white's ass. ass. <laughs> But I'd rather take the fisherman's word for it. <laughs> you can take that a different way. The great white's ass. <laughs> like Roseanne? John Goodman? Goodman. <laughs> no, seriously. There's like the special effect shots are it's, – it's kind of like Back they're, to the Future. They're, they're minimal, minimal. They're tasteful. And there's not a ton of them, which actually helps the movie. There was going to be more. We all yeah. know this. We all know that the shark. And we'll talk about working. it. We'll yeah. talk about it at length uh, later with, this year, most likely with the Jaws episode. But uh, you put you put Jaws on in like a Sunday afternoon. You know, you can put Jaws on at any time. Yeah, but you want to. You don't want to have to leave. Like you might on a Saturday if you put Jaws on. Mm-hmm. You might want to go. You know what, man. Let's go grab some beers, or let's go play putt putt, or, or let's, let's get some takeout. No, it's a nice, it's a nice afternoon. Yeah. Let's go do this. But Sunday, you want to stay home. You want to just kind of yeah, decompress and get, get ready for the week. You put on Jaws because you can. That is truly an old friend. Yeah, that movie turns up. You know, every line. You know the scenes. A head full. I can do a head full. Come down, chum some of this shit. <laughs> you say it. You feel it. You do that. with the gloves and the mouth. Yeah. Jaws. That's my number six. Full ahead. <laughs> yeah. A head full, yeah. Yeah, it was a full head. I can go full I can ahead. Full head. Well, you some of this shit. <laughs> Jaws is my number six perfect movie. What's your number five? Mr. Mora? Yeah. Officer Olsen? Yeah. Righto. Well, saw him tending bar down there at Eklund and Swedland's last Tuesday, and this little guy's drinking, and he says, so where can a guy find some action? I'm going crazy out there at the lake. 
And I says, what kind of action? And he says, woman action, what do I look like? And I says, well, what do I look like? I don't arrange that kind of thing. And he says, but I'm going crazy out there at the lake. And I says, yeah, but this ain't that kind of place. Uh-huh. He says, oh, so I get it. So you think I'm some kind of jerk for asking, only you don't use the word jerk. I understand. Then he calls me a jerk, says, last guy thought he's a jerk is dead now. So I don't say nothing. He says, what do you think about that? And I says, well, that don't sound like too good a deal for him then. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, he says, yeah, that guy's dead, and I don't mean of old age. And then he says, geez, I'm going crazy out there at the lake. White Bear Lake? Yeah, well, at Eklund and Swedland, that's closer to Moose Lake, so I made that assumption. Oh, sure. Anyway, he's drinking at the bar, so I don't think a whole great deal of it, but then Mrs. Mora, she heard about the homicides down here and thought I should call it in, so I called it in. End of story. Well, what this guy look like, anyways? Oh, he's a little guy, kind of funny looking. Uh-huh. In what way? Oh, just in a general kind of way. God, jeez there, Nathan. You stole my number two there. <laughs> it's not a real sweet deal for me here. Nathan, gosh. Gosh darn me, it. Me and Josh there, we had a number two. It was a real sweet deal there at number two. It was Fargo. It was a... And you took it there. You got the... The stamp? Ah, I don't have no, I don't have any, I don't know anything about any stamps the one, there. The two cent, the two cent stamp. No, that's, that's still pretty good. Whenever they change the postage, they gotta buy the two cent stamps. Yeah, sure. Oh, no, sorry, you're, you're number two, you was your Fargo. Was, huh? Fargo was my number two. We just watched that's it. my like, number five, yeah. We watched it a week or so ago. Uh, I know we kind of differ on, I know kind of, I know we differ on what we think is the best Coen Brothers film. You love Barton Fink. You think that's their greatest. That's their, that's their masterwork. Okay. I not, their most, not their most accessible. Like we no. talked about in the, the main season yeah. last year, Big Lebowski is their most accessible right. mainstream work. But I think Fargo is I think, close to. I think Fargo to me is their best example of what they have to offer as just filmmakers in general. I don't think they were able to really top that personally. Really? But I like I – like, it's been a while, but – I since I've seen Barton Fink, but Fargo's my favorite of theirs, no matter what. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, now, it's one, I think it's one Jamie and I watch, end up watching more because there's more jokey jokes in it. Right. Like, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. gee whiz, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, and this, that guy stole the scene with how he's telling the story. He's in it for a minute and a half, and he gets the line of, ah, sort of funny looking. <laughs> in you what know? way? Uh, in a general sort of way. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're right. It's probably nothing. It's but, probably uh, nothing. Good thing you uh, called it in head Lake. <laughs> I made that no, general just, assumption. I love their taste of humor, and, and the creativity is just – it's their own making. And so I think they struck gold with Fargo. They They kind of take what – could have easily just been a true crime story, which they even made you think at at a, at a point in time. Just like Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, that was all bullshit. Yeah, you know. And so they lace it with so much Midwestern charm, quirkiness, and black comedy. Minnesota that, nice. Yeah, that I don't think that they've really been able to achieve achieve that same stature. You, you watch know? the Hulu show? Well, I think it's on FX. I think it was an I think it was an FX or an AMC show. Either way. You've, I've seen you, the I've seen the first season. Oh man, it's so the first season's the best. Second, second best, and third is third best. Really, ironically, um, 
It's a very good show. Very on that same tone. It has nothing to do with the movie. It's just the first. It's well, the you, same you saw tone. The, first, the first season is basically yeah. the first movie, but right. told in a slightly different way. Martin Freeman's in it. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton's in oh, it. Billy Bob Thornton is so yeah. good in it. He plays show. the he plays Hit the villain. Man. Yeah. Oh, and uh, you know what? You guys just watch it. If you haven't seen Fargo season one, and you can find it. On watch Hulu. it. On it's good. Uh, but no, Fargo, your number six. My number two. Yeah. My big thing with this one is, is just the reason why this film works is that I'm laughing at things that I really shouldn't be laughing at. That's your at. friend there in uh, Wood Chipper? Yeah. <laughs> but what makes the film work so well is that they they threw all of these wonderfully interesting three-dimensional characters, most of which, by the way, are despicable human beings in that movie, mm-hmm. uh, into a horrible shitstorm. And, and most likely most of the horrible characters end up dead. Margie and uh, old son of a Gunderson. <laughs> They're the the two most pure people in the movie. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the other cops are they're good. Yeah, they're pretty good yet. But William H Macy's character, the oh he's, god, he's a horrible piece of shit. He's awful. So is his wife in real life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she has already been. Convicted. That's a different podcast. She's already been convicted, sentenced, and served her time though. By the time this has even been recorded. Yeah. Alone aired. Anyway, uh, Fargo. <laughs> Fargo's my number five. What's your number five? Oh, uh, okay. There, uh, my number. Uh, my number five goes like this: To the pain means the first thing you lose will be your feet below the ankles, then your hands at the wrists, next your nose, and then my tongue. I suppose I killed you too quickly the last time. A mistake. I don't mean to duplicate tonight. I wasn't finished. The next thing you lose will be your left eye, followed by your right. And then my ears, I understand. Let's get on with it. Wrong! Your ears you keep, and I'll tell you why. So that every shriek of every child at seeing your hideousness will be yours to cherish. Every babe that weeps at your approach, every woman who cries out, Dear God, what is that thing? will echo in your perfect ears. That is what the pain means. It means I leave you in anguish. Wallowing in freakish misery forever. I think you're bluffing. It's possible, pig. I might be bluffing. It's conceivable, you miserable, vomitous mass. I'm only lying here because I lack the strength to stand. Then again. Perhaps I have the strength after all. That's right, bitch. <laughs> I believe the first time I saw The Princess Bride was in 1989. It was uh, a couple years after it was released. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It came out in 87. Yeah. And it was taped. My mom taped it off of our local Fox affiliate, which is where I saw Dragnet for the first time. And they've recently talked about remaking it, and Carrie Elways has come out and it's said. It's a good insult. Vomitous mass. I almost used it for insults because <laughs> he just he lights yeah. Humperdinck up. Up one side and down the other. Yeah. You know? And Humperdinck doesn't even see it coming. <laughs> Might be the first time a man has dared insult me. It won't be the last. It's just got a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's got... It's got everything. It's, it's got great. dry wit. It's got, like, sardonic 
acidic comedy with uh, Wallace Shawn. It's got bravado. It's got swashbuckling. It's got love story. It's got fucking Andre the Giant, for God's sake, man. It's one of the sweetest, most well-rounded. There's not a dull moment in it. There's a little bit of like dark violence, like when he stabs a rodent of unusual size. Yeah. And, and the torturing re- scene is a little... Uh, ugh, all the daylight yeah. savings time scene? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just taken one hour of your life away. How does that make you yeah. feel? <laughs> Actually, he says one year. but <laughs> One year, is that what it is? Yeah, that? in a movie, it's one year. Anyway, William yeah, Goldman just wrote a, a fantastic book. That he, wrote I still that, he, he wrote the book he for his daughter. He wrote the book, and then he adapted it. But he wrote and, the book yeah. for his daughter. Yeah. It's just a great story. That's, that's so beautiful. Like, yeah. he, he, like... A man, a man created that for his child, only for his child, and then, you know, and then you know what? That movie doesn't age. You know what? That movie doesn't age. In other because there's no cell phones. (laughs) Other than when uh, Fred Savage opens with playing his video game. (laughs) See, I forget the wraparound story. I always forget the wraparound story. You always forget with uh, Peter Falk. Yeah, Peter Falk. That's so great too. But no, it is. It is. This isn't a kissing book, is it? No kissing, I promise. Very sorry. Princess Bride, that's my number five perfect movie. Do you have a clip for your number four? I do not. <laughs> okay, what's your number four? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I'm spoiling any more of yours, but who knows? We'll find out. Uh, outside of Reservoir Dogs, I think Pulp Fiction is probably uh, Quentin Tarantino's best film. Absolutely. And, uh, it was one of the first films that I can recall watching that had a nonlinear narrative. Sure. You know, yep. and it it, it kind of blew your mind when you you're like, wait, what's going on here? Wait, he's dead. What? Why is Why he is here he, now? Yeah. Uh, wait, it's just the Tarantino had the amazing ability to take like from everything that he loved when he was younger and synthesize like, it, create like this virtual cornucopia of pop culture references. Mm-hmm. You know, a bit of ultra violence, a heaping dose of foul language. Along with like incredibly engaging characters, and then toss them all into a blender and hit liquefy. You know, yeah. Let's see what comes out. Here, drink this. Does it taste good? Yeah, that's all right. Need some cilantro. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth five dollars. It's pretty, pretty fucking, fucking good. good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the end result is, is some of the most engaging storytelling that I've ever seen. No one really, you know, talked like that in movies until Tarantino hit the scene, and and a lot of people. Have ripped him off since because he was the king of ripoffs by ripping off but making his own in the in the Absolutely. same way. You Good know? artists borrow, great artists steal. You know, but I just don't think that anybody that even tried to rip him off, they were ever able to do anything. Who's as well his as number he one ripoffer? Like Two Days in the Valley was a like oh, Eric. Okay. I think Eric Stoltz was in that, and yeah. I know that um, Charlize Theron was in that. Mm. Yeah, but I think that was a big. Like rip off of the pulp. That was the ripple effect of Pulp Fiction. Gritty crime yeah. stuff. In true six pack double feature, uh, I guess policy. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that um, the first time my dad saw Pulp Fiction, he 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 liked it. Uh, I remember him at least being engaged. Right. But uh, my dad is not known for his <laughs> uh, boisterous sense of humor. But the. Uh, Go in that bag and get my wallet. Which one is it? <laughs> it's the one that says bad motherfucker. motherfucker on it. My old man lost his shit. And he laughed. 
That's a funny line. Yeah, it is a funny it's, line. Because, of course, it's the wallet that says bad motherfucker on it. What yeah. else would it say? Would it just be That's a where normal... it started. <laughs> motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. It's your number quattro? Numero quattro. Numero quattro. For a movie so long that you would think modern audiences' attention spans, if it, was, if it were made today... They would not, it wouldn't get made today. It wouldn't be a hit like it was. But in 1972, when The Godfather first came out, uh, it grabbed people the way Pulp Fiction did 22 years later. Yeah. The character development, I remember the. it was either Jamie the first time that I showed it to her or, or an ex-girlfriend, I don't remember. But the first time I'd shown – it was someone I was showing The Godfather for the first time. I was like, look, get ready to sit down with some people you don't know. And by the next – by the end of the next three hours, you will love all of these people in in some – except for Fredo. Because you just – you just fucking – if you just – if you didn't send Fredo with Papa, he wouldn't have gotten shot. Yeah, Fredo couldn't manage a loaf of bread. But you love these people. You want a sandwich? I got a loaf of bread here. You started making sandwiches out of it. You can't imagine it. Look at this kid. <laughs> this kid's making sandwiches. What, are you making sandwiches? I got jimmies? And peanut butter and jelly. Uh, <laughs> the Godfather. Yeah, that's... It's, how did I put it? There's down? nothing like wrong with movies it. like... Or, or Desert Island movies. That was like my Desert Island movie. It's like a it's like a visual novel, you know? Okay. It Just how it breaks that story down really well. It's just you, very engrossing. Do you? I, I find myself like leaning in to the TV when I watch it, like like I'm watching a football game or something. Right. Like it, I know it's like, like kind of like it that. Literally pulls you. It in. pulls you in. Yeah, you want to soak up every second of even if it's just a nuanced second of Brando like wiping the cat hair off the chair, which was an improvised yeah. thing because there was cat the, hair and he just did it. It's just it's dumb. That, well, that's a human. Thing, yeah, to do, yeah, it makes it more real. There's nothing about The Godfather that is well, I mean, their treatment of women and black people, not so great, <laughs> and Italians. So, I guess it kind of doesn't hold up, <laughs> still, but that's not this episode. But they're not trying to tell a story about perfectly woke, well balanced human beings, they're telling a story about crime families in the 19. 19- well, by the time of the first one, the 1940s. And I know it's come up. It was in scores. It was in your Desert Island movies. Now it's here in my perfect movies. We probably should do it at some point. It's got to be paired with two. There's nothing yeah, else to really pair with. Yeah. Pair. Uh, Citizen Kane. It could go with Citizen Kane. Maybe. Maybe I'll cut this out. Anyway. <laughs> the Godfather. It's my number four perfect movie. What's your number three? My number three is Memento. And I put down here my talk about a nonlinear format. The movie is Christopher Nolan with just his second feature film, wrote and directed, where a film where what was his first? um, The uh, following. It's a uh, black and white. It's really good as well. It's also nonlinear. It's also nonlinear. Nonlinear. Yeah, that's the word. Nonlinear. Okay, so (laughs) memento. No memento. It's. He's able to build an intriguing and, and genuine revenge murder mystery story and then successfully be able to tell almost the entire story in reverse order. There's like this timeline where when you start it, it's, you're seeing the last scene 
and it's slowly moving backwards. And it's is intercut. It move, does it move backwards by scene? It moves backwards by scene, but it's intercut by scenes that are also taking place in order where it's almost like flashing back to a conversation that he – that the character is having on the phone okay. with someone. And so it goes back and forth and between those two, there's a story that is linear in its segments. Right, right. Was he – so he had to have been involved in the editing. Yes. OK. I would imagine so. I've never seen it. Uh, I've always heard – I've never heard anything but good things about it. And that's the one where the guy's got the tattoos all over him, right? Yes. He tattoos what's happening. His reminders right. because of his uh, memory issues. The story in itself, the narrator is unreliable. Hmm. And you don't realize that until you get to the end. Okay. You're kind of almost being lied to, but mm. you don't know that when it starts. That's cool. I won't spoil well, other than cool, spoiling, but – it, it just it, – it, it, it shows the example that your narrator isn't always being 100 percent honest because he's just telling his story. OK. Memento, number three. My number three is perfect based on – no, it's perfect. There's no reason to qualify it. No. It's, it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. OK. It's perfect because art – is supposed to invoke an emotional response. Texas Chainsaw Massacre does just that. <laughs> there's there's no gore, there's no tits, there's no gratuitous sex. There's some, some some disturbing shit that you see, but it's it's, it's all, minimal. It's Hitchcockian. It's yes. all implied. It is a masterstroke of micro budget filmmaking. The love of what you, the belief, the love of what you're doing. Like, Toby Hooper, he, he he breathed that shit, you know. Like he he worked those people day and night for I think three or four weeks. And no, it was twelve days. It was twelve days. The dinner scene, the re, that's a that if we if we want to drill down and, and do another one, perfect scenes. The dinner scene is like a perfect scene because that girl Marilyn. She's not acting. <laughs> She's legit losing her shit. She's lost her mind. Yeah. They considered it, when it came out, it was considered porn. Like, they thought, not because of any sex no, act, but because it was so, they thought it was so graphic. And it's not graphic at all. Yeah, Franklin gets chainsawed to the gut, but you don't see his entrails. You don't see his viscera. You don't, I mean, there's some blood, but it's not. It's minimal. It's very minimal. Like, you see, I think, more blood in Psycho than you do. Chainsaw Massacre, and you see it's, it's Marion's blood going down the drain. It could also be like a Pick Six independent film. Mm-hmm. It was very successful and right? yeah, like, one of the top I mean, grossing independent yeah. films. You, you don't really get that now, but in the 70s and, no. and 80s and part of the 90s, it, it was, that a, was a that's a thing. Where now it's just if it it doesn't release in the theaters, it's direct to video, direct to streaming, whatever. Yeah, it was know? one of those like grindhouse kind of word of mouth. Oh, you can't see it now. It, they, it's not playing there. It's anymore. not playing in our town anymore. It's but traveling it, around the country. It had this buzz. You got to go drive down no to the next intended. city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got a buzz, and it moves you. Boom, diddy, boom, diddy, boom. It's a, it's it's suspense. What well, it's a when it starts, it's kind of like what the hell is this? And then they pick up the hitchhiker, and then it's like God, it's freaky. I mean, with the title like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you got a pretty good idea what it's about. But it's in Texas, there's a chainsaw, 
and there's a massacre. Exactly. He's not buttering bread with the chainsaw. He's massacring with it. Crusts on or off? (laughs) (laughs) How do you get from four or five kids in a van to a Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Murder, death, kill. Yeah. (laughs) Well, a horror movie in the 70s and 80s, that was standard protocol, but it kind of broke that mold. And there's almost no character development. No. Other than Sally and her brother Franklin. The guy in the wheelchair is a dick. That's Frank. He's not a dick. He's a whiny little shit. Oh, that's it. He's a whiny shit. Then you're actually kind of glad when he dies. At least I was. Because I'm tired of hearing him bump his gums. But anyway, (laughs) you have that expectation. This is going to be goddamn gross. And you... It kind of is, but it's not... It gently gets you there. Until he comes out and bashes her over the head with a hammer. Drags her back into the meat locker. That's one of the shocking... Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. That (laughs) could have been one of my shocking moments. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's my number three. Perfect movie. What is your number two, sir? Well, my number two is The Usual Suspects. I think what makes The Usual Suspects work so much is that the twist comes at the very end, and it makes you wonder whether everything that was being told to you by what we think could be an unreliable narrator, is he Kaiser Soze? Or is he just making this up? Right. Was the entire narration and backstory, which is seemingly built on a house of cards, just a a way... (laughs) House of cards. Was it just a way to screw with the customs agent? Fucking cops. You know, or what makes the film so perfect is that it shows you the truth in the beginning when they spend... And then they spend the next two hours trying to convince you that you've seen something else. They don't show his face, though. Yeah. I and remember then the, the, they pull the rug out from under you in the last five minutes. Whoopsie! Guess what? <laughs> you were right all along. It's just another brilliant film that featuring that Brian, pesky, unreliable narrator. Brian Singer, right? Yes, yeah. Brian Singer, but it, it's Christopher McQuarrie who wrote the film. Okay. Singer is the one who directed it. Singer is not doing much lately because he's had issues like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> so we'll just stick with Christopher uh, McQuarrie instead. <laughs> Although he's kind of latched himself onto Tom Cruise and made a lot of good movies with Tom Cruise, but it's that's different. That's another story for another podcast. So that's my number two. Your number two is Fargo. My number two is Fargo, which so, we talked about at length. My number one is this. I think you better come with me. But why? There's nothing more to say. Will you get my car, please? Okay, go home. But in case you're interested, your husband was murdered. Somebody has been dumping thousands of tons of water from the city's reservoirs, and we're supposed to be in the middle of a drought. He found out about it, and he was killed. There's a waterlogged drunk in the morgue, involuntary manslaughter if anybody wants to take the trouble, which they don't. It seems like half the city is trying to cover it all up, which is fine by me. But Mrs. Mulray, I goddamn near lost my nose, and I like it. I like breathing through it. And I still think that you're hiding something. She's hiding something, all right. It's in her family tree. <laughs> it's but a stick. You're uh, <laughs> you're assuming there's going to be two it's branches, a, and there's vine. only one. It's a vine that's eating itself. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, I'm. Uh, this is Chinatown. It's just Chinatown, Jake. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. That's what it is. Forget it, Jake. It's that Chinatown. Is, forget it. You don't know the line. Don't remember it, Nathan. It's Nashville. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm I'm not sure uh, if the consensus is still the same, but soon after I graduated high school and became interested in filmmaking for a brief period in my life, 
uh, time and again, Robert Town's Chinatown script was almost refer referenced as one of, if not the greatest screenplays ever written. And I would still sure, I would still mark that I think seventy four, seventy four. Okay. Um, and the two Jakes was eighty nine. I've never I've seen, seen the, the. I've only seen Chinatown once. I've seen the two. Two I've never Jakes seen the, once. I've never seen the two. I've Jakes. seen the two Jakes. I've seen one of the two Jakes. <laughs> I've seen two Jakes Which once. Which one? I've seen two. The left one or the right one? Yeah, um, the middle one. I've seen this Jake. Wait. Uh, <laughs> uh, two Jakes is not even remotely close to. No, I wouldn't imagine it town. is. And that was one of, I think, Town, I think, wrote the two Jakes and Nicholson acted and directed it. And it just didn't hold up to the brilliance of this Chinatown. Sure. But. Uh, the film is is basically a metaphor for the futility of good intentions. You know, it's also a film that I believe comes clear upon repeat viewings. The more times you see it, the more like the layered. Right, you're like, man, there's a lot going on in this story, and you yeah. just don't realize it because uh, it sure as hell confused me the first time I saw it. I'm like, I really like this, but I really don't know what's going on. Faye Dunaway too, right? Faye Dunaway. Okay, yeah. Um, so Faye Dunaway – so who would you rather have sex with, Faye Dunaway or Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson now or Jack Nicholson 1974? <laughs> 74. Faye Dunaway. Yeah, that seems about right. Uh, yeah, it really confused me the first time I saw it, but but mostly because of just how how much is going on. And Roman Polanski – we're not going to talk about his <laughs> problems He's this not moment. perfect. No, but – he does a, an amazing job of of helming that script and being able to bring to life. It's a that, nouveau, that, it's a nouveau noir. It's nouveau it's nouveau noir. It's set in the 30s. It's set during the Depression era. It's set in Los Angeles um, with uh, private investigator private investigator JJ Giddis. He inadvertently gets involved in a case that is way beyond like his initial area of expertise. You know. Which is spying on an unfaithful spouse, you know, and it just all these dominoes are just set up so perfectly in this, right. and they just knock each other over, and the story just unfolds really well. What do, do you ever watch like the Twilight Zone? Like, because I know you've it's done, been a while. You've but done, I used to watch. You, you've done some short stuff, short mm -hmm. films, and I've done some short films and stuff, and written stuff that no one will ever ever see. And I've done but, stuff that has people have seen and probably shouldn't. But anyway. <laughs> but you have that in you and you want to do it. And then you watch something like Chinatown or an episode of The Twilight Zone and you're like, why the fuck would I even try? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just – that's there's this, there's this two types exists. Of, yeah, there's two types of people when they come across really great art like this and it's either I can do better. I can – I'm going to work harder to, <laughs> to do something better yeah. than I've done before or get – <laughs> let's I'll go just, bowling let's go bowling right because that's that's kind of the mentality it's either okay this is really challenging i'm gonna work harder and i'm gonna do something even better than i just wrote and let's a movie see like chinatown works. is deflating in two ways it's deflating when you're like god that was so good and like just entertaining and perfect and oh my god can you believe just how they it's gritty, but it's not sleazy. And it's, right. And then it's also deflating where you're like, I can't ever f***ing come close to even entertaining somebody for half a second like that. 
I guess I'll just go get some popcorn and kill myself. And <laughs> I'm going to eat the popcorn first and then watch the complete first season of just the 10 of us and then kill myself. <sighs> so Chinatown, yeah. you're, you're number one perfect it's, movie. Yeah. The genius of this film is how skillfully interwoven the, the plethora of plot lines that all successfully arrive at the same location in the end. I think that's – there's really not a loose end. Everything is tightly woven when you reach that end and you're just like, God, that was really fucked up. But that was really good. Really tight. Yeah. Like a basket. It's tight. Tight, tight, tight. Tight, tight, tight. So what's – yeah, that was my number one in Chinatown, 1974. <sighs> what is your – Number one perfect movie, at least 1.0. Ghostbusters. That's a good one. It's got everything. It's it does. It's got comedy. It's got horror. It's got raunchy action. It's, it's got, got action. It's got love story. Got a little more comedy. Got a little like supernatural too. It's like a ghost story. Yeah. It's a little just, bit of, and a little bit of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. It's got yeah. a little bit of comedy horror in it too. There's a touch scary. There's a touch. There's that song. Quite a bit funny. You couldn't throw a dead cat at a radio in 1984 without hearing the fucking Ghostbusters you could song. Th- you couldn't throw a live cat at a radio. Oh, but if you could throw a live cat, you can, you come show me how you can do that, okay, buddy? I, I've never been able to throw a live cat. I've tried. I have three cats. I had to kill one first, then I threw it. <laughs> <laughs> I threw a live dead cat. Schroeder's. <laughs> Schrodinger's. <laughs> Schrodinger's baseball. <laughs> it's a striker. It's a home run. Which one you, is you it? You don't know until you get out of the batter's box. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the fact that they've never been able to, with Ghostbusters, even come close to replicating, replicating it, and I'm pretty sure the next the, this year it won't be replicated. No, it's either. it's going to be like everything else, man. They're passing the torch. They're going to be in it to like physically, literally on screen. Pass the torch to whomever the new generation is, and it's, it's and they're going to go under the sewers and then find the sludge that. That's part two. Oh yeah, no, I'm just kidding. That movie's dumb. I, I didn't see the all female. There are um, moments in two, just moments. <laughs> there's yeah, a, one is so good. One is you can't top it. No, it's, you it's can't. one of the, it's, it's true lightning in a bottle. Like the now the script took I don't know. I mean, this is how much. I don't know, but I know that this is how much Ghostbusters is ingrained in in our lives. When Lisa and I will take a picture, when we take a picture of like Amity, if the flash goes off in it and they have white eyes, uh-huh. it is there is no Amity, there is only Zool. See, I was gonna go. You know, I looked at the trap, Ray. <laughs> With I, us, that's, it's, that's my go to. That's my go to line. Zool. With it's us, like, it's, it was always there's only Zool. Mine is my go-to is I looked at the trap, right? It's like, hey, don't put the hamburger on the counter. I put the hamburger on the trap, right? <laughs> or I put the hamburger on the counter, Ray. Yeah, looking like looking through my feed. Uh, don't do history. the thing. I did the thing, I, Ray. I, I did the thing, Ray. <laughs> no, it's, it, it 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 is able to have several feet in several different dimensions or whatever, if you will. Uh, and we've talked about it so much on here in different ways with Ackroyd and insults and other things. We should probably do a Ghostbusters, but I don't know what we would pair it with. But yeah, we'll get around to that. We'll get around to that. But I always thought when talking about my number one with Chinatown, I always thought the best way to pair Chinatown, if we ever did that, would be like LA Confidential. I agree with you. Yeah, because they're both. You noir. could do you could do Usual Suspects as well. They're both yeah. 
kind of you, uh, L.A. Confidential more so, but yeah. Um, another one I go to all the time was, uh, "Hey, Trav, you want some coffee? Yes, have some. Yes, have some." <laughs> <laughs> no one ever knows what I'm talking about, and they just look at me weird. Yes, have some. But it's funny to me. Damn it, it's, it's still funny to me. Damn it. Yeah, Lisa's one of her most embarrassing moments, or feeling like very embarrassed and self conscious when she watched uh, the like the opening scene. And they're talking to the librarian. Are you currently menstruating at this moment? And what has was, that got to do with it? <laughs> yeah, and she was just like, I had never felt like my he's like my cheeks turned red, and I felt so embarrassed. I was watching this movie with either family members or something like that. Oh yeah, it just made her feel uncomfortable sure. because they were talking about menstruating on the screen on screen. You know, and right? I'm like, yeah, I could see how. I could see how that would, could make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I get it. I mean, half yeah, of half funny. of us do it, right? You know, the other half don't. Don't <laughs> wait for Travis to make it super uncomfortable, <laughs> and then wait for Nathan to respond, and he goes, "Hmm." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ghostbusters, my number one perfect Numero, movie. Oh no, we should probably it. touch on this again because I think there's probably at least twelve more perfect movies out there. I'm looking at a poster for one right I now. Can, I Superman. Can, I mean, just, honorable mention, Superman, 1978. Yeah. There's going to be a 2.0 and probably a 3.0 at some point for perfect also, movies. Yeah. Also, Lone Wolf McQuaid, Roadhouse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed this week. Hope you guys have a great, killer, awesome week. If it's, and, if it's warm outside, go outside and put some sunshine on your face. If it's cold outside... Go outside and put some sunshine on your face. And then go Unless, inside and have a bowl of chili yeah. with some crackers in it. Or some, some Fritos. Or oyster crackers. Mm-hmm. You ate them all. Be good to each other. See you guys next time. Bye. Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal.